2, The Power of More from Brockmeier and Zalo. Innovation Thinking Today's episode is about the innovative application of comedy. Before we get our guest into the conversation, I would like to introduce the co-host of the podcast, Dieter Brockmeier, the innovation expert at the Diplomatic World Institute. Hello, Dieter. How are you? It's always great to have a good laughter. And uh, with Pola around, uh, I'm sure this is granted. So we're really happy to talk about, for sure, many of our listeners' unexpected aspects of comedy and hopefully with some love in between. Yeah, looking forward to that. Now to our special guest, Pola Hempovic. She is an international TV and digital media executive, a comedy evangelist, a producer, a content curation and strategic business advisor, podcaster and an international speaker. Hello, Pola. Thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Christian. How are Dieter? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you about all things uh, comedy, humor and laughter. You are a comedy evangelist. What does that mean? That means, at least for me, that I try to convert people into believing in the power of laughter and incorporating more humor into their daily life, but also business. That's how you build relationships. And uh, right now, most importantly, that's how you survive tough times. Well, tough times we do have indeed. So how do you handle the uh, th handle these? You are based in Poland, so you are, you are a lot closer to the trouble than we are. Yes, I am dangerously close to the danger. But I think we all have uh, in recent uh, years uh, times of struggle. And um, in Poland and in general, you can notice that it also served as a fuel to help more comedians uh, blossom and get more recognition. And in Poland, uh, I have this wonderful case um, of the comedy team called uh, Make Life Harder. They, um, uh, they now have a profile on Instagram and what they become over the last two years, it's something of a phenomenon. If there's any time, if there's any one time in life, I can use the word influencer and actually mean it. These are the guys because when the pandemic started, they started, uh, the, their, uh, using their Insta stories for memes and they've built around this culture um, a community. And it became no longer a place for memes, but also a place to come together and do something for another. Um, so we uh, saved animals from the shelters that were closing down. We helped, um, I'm saying we, because I'm a part, I feel I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of this community. Um, but uh, Polish people um, saved uh, um, people when they were going through incredible struggles, losing their housing. Um, now, when there's um, a crisis in Ukraine, people are banding together and um, helping each other out and supporting each other. And it's all about memes. It started with a meme. So um, so it's such a wonderful uh, um, uh, thing to see where you can bring people together and actually um, create something good and build a legacy around 
humor and making people laugh. And this account is no longer, it's not no longer, but it's not just for humor. You, we get information, we, we get updates. We, this is the place where you're going to find out that the tax system changed in Poland. This is, a, the, this is the account that will tell you what was the result of the elections in France. This is the account that will tell you how uh, um, AOC voted for blocking uh, Russian oligarchs uh, um, wealth in the US. This is the account that will tell you everything that goes on in the world. But in the meantime, they will also make you laugh. Uh, they will, we will joke about um, what what's the painful uh, things happening in the in the society right now. Um, we will watch animals because sometimes at the end of the day, you just need to see a cute um, llama or a cute cat doing a cat thing. And um, but what the, the most inspiring thing was when there was a problem. Uh, like the shell animal shelter uh, being dangerously close to being shot, uh, closed down, and they needed, let's say, two hundred thousand Polish lotych, and within hours there was not not just two hundred thousand lotych; it was five hundred thousand lotych raised together. And let's not forget that pandemic was a very difficult time financially for a lot of people, and yet people still found um, this little bit that they wanted to contribute in the spirit of um of this community that was built it not to mention that this is fantastic platform to rebel against the government because that's what they also do and this is um uh this is uh, another fascinating way of speaking truth to power which is one of the basic uh, applications of comedy you mentioned humor what does humor mean to you well uh i can tell you what it means to me but it, uh let me just uh, say because i i find it fascinating sometimes the origins of the words um uh are incredibly fascinating to me so the word humor comes from a latin word for fluid and so uh when there was a chemical imbalance of um bile phlegm and other bodily fluids in the body people were cra went crazy were nuts so uh humorous uh was a description of a person who was mentally ill due to this imbalance. And a man of humor was used to describe someone who was skillfully impersonating a mentally ill person. So it has, when I say uh, that I try to encourage people to incorporate more humor into their daily lives or business, this is absolutely not what I mean. I'm not advocating for people to have mental illness or uh, lose their mind, uh, but just uh, observe uh, the uh, the funny things that are happening around us. And um, uh, so for me, it's just this lightness um, in, in, in what is uh, happening in my life, in my surrounding, in, um, uh, in my neighborhood. Well, there's also this term of comic relief. And uh, so I think this is a very, especially in stressful times, a very important function of of comedy and humor, just to uh, ease us up, to uh, relax us, and to be uh, to make it possible for us to cope better with these situations. Yeah, and I love what you just said, comedy relief, because I have a good story for you. Um, and so, in 
you, I think in many languages, there is a saying that laughter is the best medicine, right? But not always. And so in 1962, in, uh, in Tanzania, uh, there was a change of educational system in schools, and it put so much pressure and stress on kids that one right after the other, they started to laugh uncontrollably. And because laughter, as we now know, is very contagious, uh, they could not stop it. They could not contain it. So this is what is now known as a laughter pandemic. And um, it had uh, huge implications because uh, they had to close many, many schools in the region that they could not contain. Uh, they could not calm people and the kids down. And they did not know what was the origin of this pandemic. And they sent samples to very well-known universities or labs around the world, and they couldn't get the, the medical reason for this uh, condition, where people could not stop lie, uh, laughing. They got dehydrated. They got some digestive issues. They could not sleep. They were exhausted. Um, and so it, then it turned out that it was just a simple reaction reaction to stress. When we don't know how to deal with stress, with overwhelming emotions, um, with anxiety, then the giggles come. And I'm sure you guys had the same experience once in a while when you are, you are so tired that you just, the only way to release this is through laughter. Uh, but so uh, the story is just that uh, the really comedic relief is a relief is there but not always laughter is the best medicine. Sometimes you need a medicine to get out of uh, out of the laughter. How spontaneous do you have to be to be a good comedy evangelist? You need to be creative. Um, and um, I think this is a very important um, uh, or aspect of comedy that it's uh, that it goes hand in hand with creativity. And um, I don't want to bore you with uh, too many definitions, but I would like to mention a couple of uh, theories of humor, because that's how we will get to the theory of creativity. And then you'll see how closely related it is to comedy. So uh, there are many theories of humor and and, and comedy. One uh, theory is, um, is, the co is the relief theory. And uh, To best um, understand this, imagine um, um, a, a hunter a very, very long time ago, hunting for something to eat, walking in the bushes, and then they see a bush trembling and they are scared because they don't know, is there a lion over there? Is there a tiger? Is it, am I going to be eaten? And then out of the, the, the bushes comes out of a, a bird. And so the person is relieved that they didn't get killed. So they started laughing because they over-exaggerated the outcome of the situation and they felt really uncomfortable. So in order to get out of this uh, discomfort, they laugh. And the laugh is also the signal to the rest of the tribe that everything is fine. We're going to make it. This is not the day that we're dying. And so this is the, the relief theory. And you can also you can observe it in the office or in everything that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen does, because they make you uncomfortable. They make you uncomfortable. And when you get over this uh, uh, discomfort, this is when you when the relief laughter comes. Uh, uh, the other um, uh, uh, humor theory is superiority, which Well, I'm speaking to German, so I think Schadenfreude is uh, familiar to you guys. <laughs> so, uh, so this is a Schadenfreude theory. It's uh, and or as uh, um, uh, Americans uh, tend to say, it's always funny when it happens to somebody else. 
And so we laugh when someone else slips, whether it's a banana peel or not. Uh, we laugh when someone is unsuccessful at something that they really want to do. And But there is a, another a, a piece of theory, which I personally really love, and it's very easy to observe. It's, it comes from uh, this uh, American professor from Boulder, Colorado. His name is Peter McGraw. Um, and he came up with the theory of benign violation. And benign violation theory is when something, that when the violation occurs, but it's not, um, it's not serious, it's benign. So we will laugh if someone will slip on a banana and then they will get up and just get dirty. But if they break their neck and won't be able to walk anymore, we're not going to laugh. And that's the difference. The benign violation is that there is no serious outcome of the situation. So there's this uh, a very uh, commonly used example of tickling. So uh, tickling is a violation of your um, personal space. But if it's done uh, by someone you know, if it's done uh, between mother and children or between people who are in love or have a very close relationship, it's benign. But if I sit on a metro and a strange guy comes and tickles me, then this is not funny anymore because it, the violation is real, it's serious, and someone has really seriously crossed my boundaries. So this is a definition, but this is very strongly linked to the uh, to the superiority um, theory uh, because um, we laugh, but we will only laugh even if it, if we feel better than this other person. But we will only laugh if it if it's benign, if it's not too dangerous if it's not too um, serious. Uh, and there's also the, uh, the theory, um, uh, the, the theory that is, that is called incongruity theory, which uh, this is the, the, the close one to creativity because incongruity theory is that we combine two things that have no right to exist together, uh, but they do and it makes sense. Uh, and so this is when we see two, um, two separate things coming from a, two different worlds and we put them together and somehow it works, whether it's a pun, whether it's, um, it's a surprising, uh, punchline in a joke. And I think that's the most common use of it when, when you have a joke and you, there is a, there is a setup which is the initial part of the joke. And then there is a punchline. And if there is a setup, and you and the punchline will will go exactly how you expect it. Um, you're not gonna laugh. But if it takes turn, and you are like you're surprised, and your aha part of the brain is activated, then you laugh because it makes sense. But you didn't see it coming. And there was this one example. Uh, I'm not I'm not really good at telling jokes. This is this is uh, no. I'm not good at it. But I'll try. So we'll see how it goes. So where does General keeps his armies? is a setup. Now, if the answer, if the punchline would be in an army base, then this is just a story. This is not a joke. But if the punchline is in his sleeves, then you see a connection because armies, arms, armies, sleeves, sleeves. It's a wordplay. So it's a, it makes sense, yet it's not, um, it's it's not it hasn't been expected. Now, what I did right now is dissected a joke and uh, how E.B. White said. Uh, with uh, dissecting joke is like dissecting frog, the frog dies at the end. So the joke, I think, kind of died. Um, but the creativity is also this skill to see connection between things that are not necessarily connected in the obvious and uh, in the obvious way. Um, 
so I would say this is the link between, um, be, between being creative and being funny. Uh, and in order to be uh, evangelist, comedy evangelist, or in order to actually convert people into incorporating more humor, you have to inspire them to be more creative and open-minded. Well, uh, when, when you were giving all of these samples, I suddenly envisioned uh, the last Oscar uh, gala, uh, where with this incident with Will Smith and the comedian, and uh, I think that's an adjective side because you have different frames of tolerance an individual has. And though depending on that, uh, comedy can go very bad and very wrong, as we have seen in the case of, uh, of Will Smith slapping, his, slapping the comedian. Uh, so what, what can, can we make out of that or, or how much tolerance is required? Well, I, I'm pretty sure that we can do a separate episode on that particular uh, event on a, on a gala because I have so much to say about this. But uh, I think uh, the bottom line for this is um, violence can never be a response to someone saying words. Um, the, the, there is a, you can um, uh, you can get upset, um, uh, but it should never be a, a, a physical violence, a response to someone saying something. There's already some so many uh, so many things that went wrong, and um, one of my favorite comedians is Daniel Sloss, and he's this young guy from Scotland. He's fascinating. He is such a bright and smart um, a smart comedian that some. Sometimes his uh, stand-up shows feel like uh, TED Talks uh, because he has two parts of a show. One is uh, making jokes, the other one uh, telling funny stories. The other one is using his platform to touch on a serious uh, subject. Um, and uh, he has this bit. There are two of his specials on Netflix. One of it's it's dark, and in in in, the, in his show Dark, he talks about his sister. And his sister, spoiler alert, uh, she died. Uh, she had cerebral palsy. And he just describes uh, life with her. And he makes fun of her, like brothers do uh, at the expense of their sisters, whether they're sick or not. They're just, this is how uh, sibling relationships work. And uh, people get so offended by seemingly lack of respect for this disabled uh, person uh, that they stop themselves from laughing because they think, oh, duh, I cannot laugh. This is, how can you make fun of disabled girl who died of all the things? And then he says something that I find very applicable to what happened at the Oscars. Do not get offended on behalf of somebody else. Um, it's not your place to get such a strong reaction on behalf of somebody else. You don't know his sister. You don't know him. You don't know the relationship that they have. You don't have cerebral palsy. You're not part of the story. Do not get offended. So on top of everything that happened at the Oscars, it was not Will Smith's place to get offended by this joke, whether it was a joke or just um, um, a comment. Um, it was... Uh, Jada's place to have a reaction, nobody else's. So, so with this conversation should not be about um, uh, the, the the lines of humor that shouldn't be crossed or the reaction that you can get. If this joke is not about you, if the bit is not about you, if you're not the butt the, the butt of the joke, 
this is this this does not concern you it's none of your business well you just were talking about the lines uh, not uh, that you should not cross or that often but crossing lines also is a big deal of uh, uh, of uh, comedy and humor so where is the borderline Oh, I don't know if there's a definition of a borderline. I think the comedy is there to shake things up. And, you know, there's this uh, famous, um, uh, I don't know how to say it, but uh, I don't want to say calculation, but there's the same famous uh, comparison to comedy equals time plus tra uh, tragedy plus time. Uh, so, um, so this is one of the, one of the, one of the examples of how to use comedy, not to cross lines. Uh, but, um, comedy helps you speed things up in recovery of tragedy. When 9-11 happened, um, of course, everybody was tensed. Everybody, there was no joking. There was, it was such a serious matter, such a, such a massive tragedy that it felt like jokes were no longer um, allowed. And then uh, Gilbert Gottfried came on stage one night and he made a joke um, uh, that was um, crossing so many lines because I think he said something along the line that he was trying to catch a uh, plane, but they all make stops at uh, Empire State Buildings. Um, so he got booed off the stage and uh, everybody was criticizing him. But this was so necessary to how, from that moment on, the conversation and the humor entered uh, this these times. And very soon after the Saturday Night Live episode uh, was aired, um, and even um, Rudy Giuliani was a part of the uh, creating this episode, and uh, Lauren Michaels, who's obviously the the, the head of uh, the a guy in charge, the brain behind um, uh, SNL, he asked him. Uh, is it okay to be funny now? Which to which uh, Rudy Giuliani answered, "Why start now?" So they started to introducing humor, and it uh, and of course uh, it helped people um, take a breath and and ease up on, on and start processing. So comedy, you can break the rule or we can cross the line, but it should be done in a matter of um, having a higher purpose. Um, in, 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 on some level, uh, comedy is not to serve, uh, to punching down, to punch, um, you know, punch down. It's if, if there's not empathy in comedy there, there it's, it doesn't, it doesn't do its job. And I think we all, uh, need empathy right now. And, um, I'm very uh, happy to see what's currently happening on, um, streaming services with what kind of comedy content they introducing. And I think a lot of people survived me, including, uh, and uh, survived pandemic, uh, with Ted Lasso, uh, which is such a beautiful, uh, comedy show, um, on, uh, Apple TV plus that's made, um, purely centered about empathy and, um, being kind And as a, as a former TV executive, I know that uh, when you have those corporate meetings, you very um, uh, rarely have uh, conversations like, okay, you know what sells? Kindness. Let's, let's, put some, let's put some good people on our screens. Let's, let's have them a wonderful life. It's going to be complicated, but they're going to be so nice to each other. Of course not, because you're drawn to conflict. That's why we have so much reality TV show. You want to see conflict. You want to see exaggerated reactions. Reactions. 
And then you have Ted Lasso, which is about people who struggle, struggle with mental health, struggle with relationships, struggle with family, but they find the way, uh, their way to the light. And when they find it, the, the kindness spreads, the empathy spreads and, and you want to be a part of it. It's uplifting. It's, it makes you laugh. It makes you cry, but it makes you be a better person. And this is like the ultimate goal of comedy is to make you feel something and make you want to change in a way. And you also have, uh, I think on HBO now, there is a, our flag means that with uh, Taika Waikiki. It's another case of the pirate story um, where there is a pirate that decides to be a kind pirate. He wants to be known for his good, uh, goodness and kindness and empathy, which when you think about it, it's like, this is not the, the right business for a kind person. If you want to be a pirate, you need to you need to see some blood. But this is a story on a, on, a, on a different angle. And it's beautiful and it's uplifting. And it does to you on an emotional level something that no other show will ever do. So crossing boundaries, yes. But only not to punch down, not to hurt people. Just to make some change. Um, tell truth to the, to the power. Um, and help people deal with the the tension the 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 struggles the the stress so comedy as a catalyst for the painful things or to digest the undigestible i think so i think so and um the last two almost three years now shows this that we all needed uh humor uh laughter comedy um more than ever Of course, there, there are times uh, in the past that were also very difficult internationally or more locally, and everybody has their own struggles. But I think universally, the world has been going through a lot in the past, um, in the past couple of years. And so you see the evolution and a focus on comedy creators. Um, uh, when uh, Trump was... Um, was uh, ruling the world. Uh, there are so many comedians um, coming to the spotlight on tin uh, on Tinder, <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> on Tinder probably as well, but on Twitter. I'm, I'm uh, not sure if I like to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> don't please don't. This is this is supposed to be funny. We're talking about comedy here. Uh, Freudian slips are very much acceptable. <laughs> Well, um, since, uh, since uh, Elon Musk uh, uh, bought Twitter, I think we now all have to turn to Tinder uh, in order to uh, uh, to uh, gain our freedom of speech. Where's, where's well, our commercial manager? I want to have the contracts with Tinder, Twitter, and all the other social media channels. We'll take care of that in a moment. Hold on, hold on. But uh, I, I don't think that he bought um, uh, Twitter yet. I think it's uh, it's uh, there, there's a lot of commentary um uh, on twitter as well that it's just a game it's just a game to uh because that if you look at the shares of tesla they're they're hitting the ground they they dropping with every minute so i don't think first of all he's soon going to be able to pay for it and also um it just doesn't make much sense so it seems like this um uh, this might be a, a, a strategy um, I don't, I'm, I'm not smart enough to know what would be the goal of that strategy, but, um, it's just, I don't know. There are so many skeptics, uh, on Twitter that, uh, that I don't know, I'm starting to doubting it myself. 
But um, to to take us back a little bit to the to comedians that were just launched their massive careers on on Twitter um, when when Trump was uh, in the office, um, you know he was giving speeches about the pandemic, about the inserting bleach, and you know doing all other crazy stuff. Uh, there was this um, uh, this comedian. Uh, her name was uh, Sarah Cooper, and um, and she became very famous for lip syncing his um, uh, uh, speeches or his uh, addresses to the public. And it's it's a comedy gold because uh, she, she just gives layers and layers and layers, but she doesn't say a word, which is fascinating. And that resulted in her uh, actually getting a Netflix special because her following on Twitter became so big and the engagement became so high that Netflix could not just stand there and watch it passively. They had to um, uh, get her on her, on their side. And, um, one of my favorite new discoveries, uh, Blair Erskine, uh, she, she also, um, she also did a lot of, uh, a lot of craziness on Twitter because she wasn't pretending to be, um, Trump, but she was giving speeches, pretending to be someone related to an ongoing scandal in the U S. So let's say, um, Trump, uh, collaborator did something. So she was pretending to be the wife of this uh, collaborator and give a speech like, uh, on Instagram live or make a, use a social media as a tool. And there were so many, uh, times that serious media outlets broadcasted her comedy and said, this is what happened. This is what happened at the Trump rally. This is a true story from, um, from Trump supporter. And this was all joke. This was all pretending. And now she's a, she's one of the writers for a Jimmy Kimmel show, which is, you know, it's normally, it would be so difficult to get those gigs. It's, it's, um, really almost impossible. And this, uh, pandemic, this, uh, Trump, this, uh, this difficult, uh, uh, times that we live right now create those opportunities to uh, the more laughter you bring, the more reward uh, there's going to be. So the higher the higher the problems in the world, the more intensive the comedy. Hmm. Uh, well, I think we still have many of uh, uh, disasters to uh, to to come. So I, I don't, I don't want to see it that way because then it means that we all, uh, then we have the best, uh, times of comedy ahead of us. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but <laughs> which maybe, but yes, let's, let's, I, I'm looking forward to some peace and quiet. Um, uh, but there's one thing that Mark Twain said that, um, the secret source of humor um, itself lies not in joy, but it's in sorrow. And uh, that means that there is no humor in heaven. So, uh, so I think that it kind of, it, it kind of is like this. If there's, if there's despair, then there's humor. Um, some people forget that um, when there was a Holocaust happening, it's not like people were not laughing people were laughing. Uh, the Holocaust su survivors very often talk about use of humor in order to survive. They were telling jokes. There were dirty jokes. There were dry jokes, dark humor. But this was their way to first survive mentally, 
deal with everything that was happening around them, but also to hum uh, uh, humanize themselves. Because what the oppressor was trying to do is to dehumanize them and humor and building relationships and connections uh, and building a community is human, is something that we have in common and no one can take this away from us. So even in the darkest, darkest times, there is light, there is, there is, um, there is humor, there's laughter. So can you predict the next big thing? Well, I would like to have that skills because I would also like to predict lottery numbers. I would really like that. But uh, no, I, I, I don't. I, I, I can't. I just uh, I can just hope that people will uh, keep their open minds and be creative and let the, the laughter take them out of, of misery. That's what I'm hopeful for. And that's what I'm betting my money on. Okay, can we hear the last joke from you? Oh, no, don't put me on spot. But I do have, because we were talking about uh, creativity and innovation, and I would like to tell you a couple of examples of how uh, that intersects with technology, because I love these stories. So uh, there are many experiments where they put in the room comedians, um, designers, and developers, and they see what can come out of this relationship. And um, there are a couple of names uh, that need to be mentioned. One is uh, Omri Marcus from Israel. Um, uh, the other guy is uh, Baratum de Thurston. Um, uh, and so they did uh, their experiments with that intersection of um, um, comedy writers or creators and um, tech guys. And so uh, one of my favorite example is um, the app that was created by, um, by the team that was working with Omri. And it's, um, it's the first app that when you lick the screen of your phone will tell you your DNA um, story and your, um, your heritage. And this <laughs> app was launched in, uh, in, the, in the parts of the US that voted uh, for Trump the most. And so, <laughs> and when you lick your phone, your camera is on. So it also records you uh, doing the thing. And uh, they had over 10,000 downloads and, and use uh, of this application. And of course, at the end, you get the, you lick the phone and there's a calculation. And, and then it says, just like everybody else, you come from Africa, you stupid licking uh, phone idiot. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a funny thing. And this kind of goes back to, to the superiority um, theory of humor, because we laugh when someone does stupid things that we are too smart to do. Um, uh, so this is, I love this example. The other one is from Baratunda <laughs> when they created something that is called, uh, Timesify. Yes. And Timesify is a, is a, is a website. And if you sit in the office, if there's a open space and you want to read some gossip magazines like TMZ, or you want to do a test on Buzzfeed that will tell you which Disney princess you are, you don't want your colleagues to know that, right? So what times if I do is that it converts the website that you're on, the gossip website, into the layout of New York Times magazine. <laughs> so you look like you're reading some very important things, very, uh, like you're reading about stock exchange, you're reading about conflict in Rwanda, and you're, you're like the smart guy. But in fact, you know, you're doing gossips. Uh, so this is another application of using uh, a <laughs> 
mixing humor and technology. Uh, but there are other um, other fascinating examples. Like in 1994. Um, uh, they came up with this idea uh, at Schiphol Airport to <laughs> to put fly uh, like a paint paint a fly in a urinal, and uh, some urinals had the fly and some didn't, and those who had um, they eliminated eighty percent of spillage <laughs> because it was a challenge. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly this task uh, there was a, there was a game to play. So guys really wanted to win. But this also shows uh, that also this uh, comic, uh, comedy experiences you have can also steer up your creativity because it's creating ideas that you didn't think of uh, in the beginning uh, because you suddenly uh, things are connected by chance and suddenly they're also coming serious things out of comedy. And um, that's uh, another fascinating aspect. And uh, Paula, this uh, was really absolutely great insights in the world of comedy. Well, it was my pleasure. And many more of these examples are whenever you're ready to go back on a tour of comedy or humor around the world, please let me know. We should make a series about that. This is what I'm working on. I'm, I want to do a, a, a podcast myself where I dive deeper into these aspects of comedy, humor, laughter, the, the science behind it, but also, you know, the... Uh, like we were discussing about um, the boundaries. Like in Poland right now, there is a uh, there is a law being introduced that if you make a joke about uh, the Pope, of course the Polish Pope, because this Pope doesn't matter, uh, the the Polish Pope, then or a religion, then you go to prison for two years. And so uh, I wanted to talk to uh, my friends in Brazil, um, very successful comedians called Portados Fundos. Uh, they won an Emmy for uh, their uh, Netflix special, uh, Christmas special, when they mixed uh, the, the Hangover movie with The Last Supper. So the Jesus and the Apostles get really drunk and they cannot remember what happened and they just try to piece things together. And this is what they won an Emmy for. But their second special was about First Temptation of Christ and Christ is um, um, presented as a as a as a gay guy, and so they their office um, got uh, bombed. They they had actual Molotov cocktails threw in the, their office as a as a protest. They weren't uh, arrested, but there was uh, actual violence um, uh, to what they to the joke. Because people were so offended, so uh, so to me these these aspects of comedy, the 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 rules, the uh, the boundaries, the the cultural um, uh, the cultural background, or how language shapes our sense of humor. I think I, I don't know. I just cannot get enough of this. <laughs> Excellent. That was Paula Hempovich about the innovative application of comedy. Thanks for the inspiring conversation. No, thank Paula. you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. The Power of More from Brockmeier and Salo Innovation Thinking